Hey, hey, you are listening to JC Talks, a podcast about life, leadership, and human flourishing. My guiding philosophy is simple. What you can be, you must be. The purpose of this podcast is to help you live an all-in life, be an all-in leader, and lead all-in teams and organizations. I'm your host, JC Hurtado Prater, yours truly, and I'm so grateful you've joined me for a few moments on the podcast today. We're in a series, a book I guess I should say, called The Science of Success by Charles G. Koch. When we were last in this book, we talked about this issue of personal knowledge. I'm, on, I'm now on page 42. And I'm just going to read and we're going to talk a little bit about changing up the way we think. And what's cool about the podcast today is we're actually going to talk about this idea of thinking from the perspective of Charles Koch, who would fall on more of the conservative uh, line in terms of U.S. politics maybe even global politics, um, as a classical liberalist, free market capitalist. And then we will uh, also look at this idea of thinking from the perspective of George Soros, who would be um, related to more liberal causes here in the United States of America. And so we'll look at it from his perspective as well, kind of an open society. That's kind of where he's coming from. And so we'll look at this idea of thinking from both of these perspectives, which is very cool. And what what I've been learning as I'm studying both of these gentlemen is they actually have a lot more in common than they do in terms of their differences. They've read a lot of the same people. They've studied a lot of the same philosophies and they're actually a little closer. Uh, They just have different emphases on kind of where they put their focus and obviously their finances, their money, how they see the world. But that's going to be kind of fun today. So let's dive in. I'm just going to start reading on page 42. Some of this may not make sense if you're not reading the book, but I'll read it. And once we dive in, you'll see kind of where we're going. So again, last week, we talked about this idea of personal knowledge. And in the section called personal knowledge, says these words, the process of discovery begins when we observe often vaguely, a gap between what is and what could be. Our intuition tells us something better is just beyond the range of our mind's eye. To build a culture of discovery, we must encourage, not discourage, the the passionate pursuit of our own and others' hunches. Next, we need to strive to clearly articulate our hypotheses, which, when made concrete and specific, can be challenged and tested. Hypotheses that pass this hurdle can then be put to the broader test of working in practice. The genesis of this entire process is the development of personal knowledge that is passionately applied to solve a problem. So we pick up there, and now we move into this idea of thinking. And the words say this, page 42, other team members had little or no understanding of the theory. So we were unable to teach employees how to apply the concepts to achieve results. And here they're kind of talking about this theory of market-based management. Consequently, the concepts became little more than buzzwords. Employees, and these are employees at Coke Industries, used them to justify what they were already doing or worse, what they wanted to do. Learning how to overcome the tendency for form to take precedence over substance was a key to getting results from market-based management. 
Still, another problem also caused by poor understanding was a tendency to apply market-based management as a rigid formula, defining the particulars and prescribing exactly how market-based management should be applied undermines the ability to use it to achieve superior results. Recognizing and resisting this natural tendency to bureaucratize everything has been another important step forward. We are now better at detecting and dealing with such tendencies. In order to fully capture the power of market-based management, an organization must not only avoid unproductive tendencies, but continually strive to improve its ability to internalize and apply proper mental models. And we've talked about mental models before in the podcast. The entire month of May, we're going to be looking at this idea of mental models that comes up here in just a couple of weeks. So I won't dive too much into that. But it's really important to be able to internalize and and apply these mental models. And again, as we dive in and talk about them, you will realize how important these are uh, to kind of take the emotion out of the decisions that we make. Because any decision we make, whether it's a personal whether it's professional, whether it's for the team, for the organization, if we're not careful, emotions can get involved and they will lead us in directions that we may not want to go. So let's go back to what Charles Koch says here. This requires the most difficult and painful of all changes. And here's what he talks about. And this is what we're getting to today. A change in the way we think. Accomplishing such a change involves a focused and prolonged effort to develop new habits of thinking based on these mental models. So again, it really starts with this idea of mental models, and we'll talk about those next month. Once we understand the mental models, once we uh, have a grasp on what these mental models are, then all of our thinking is run through these models, right? And so again, that's what we'll talk about a little bit more next month. Success in applying these new mental models comes only after frequent practice. So we'll probably come back and read this again, reread this, uh, because as we get into mental models, it's important for us to understand it takes time to use these because most people are not used to using mental models. We get information and we move straight from information to decision, okay? And we don't run that information Uh, through anything but our emotions, right? There's a great chart that I've shown uh, to my students that I work with. And what typically we do is on on one side of the chart, you've got, uh, or or I guess it's a picture. On one side side of this picture, you have, uh, it, it, it looks like a human brain. And on top of it, it says the word information. On the other side of the picture, it has a, I don't know what the picture is, but it basically says decision. And typically what humans do, we move straight from information to decision. And if I were to draw the picture, I would add emotions in there somewhere. Uh, because typically we get information, we feel a certain kind of emotion, and then we make a decision. What smart people do, what leaders do, what manners, what good managers should be doing, and, and good leaders should be doing, is to run decisions through these mental models. Any decision we make, whether it's a personal decision, it's a relational decision, financial decision, team decision, organizational decision, business decision, whatever it is, run it through these mental models. And there's so many mental models out there. Not every mental model will work for every situation, but that's kind of where the practice comes in. So you can say, hey, I've got this situation here. Ah, first principles thinking may come into play on on this situation right here. Oh, uh, I've got this situation right here. Oh, okay. So what I'm now seeing is that, um, you know, maybe not first 
or principles thinking, but systems thinking will work on this one right here. And, and once we begin to understand that, we can quickly um, run these situations that we're in through these mental models and to come up with uh, a better solution than maybe we would have without the mental models. Okay, so 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 really, it, it it comes back to this idea of changing how we think. But how we change how we think is by looking at these mental models. Now, I want to I want to move to this book called Soros on Soros uh, on Soros, uh, written by George Soros. Uh, it's a book called Staying Ahead of the Curve. Highly recommend you get this book. He actually talks about this book. Um, well, well, he doesn't talk about the book. He talks about this idea of thinking. And, and so I wanted to add it in here uh, today as, as, as we kind of look at this uh, subject of thinking and how we think. And again, this idea of mental models, once we get into it, you will see kind of what we're talking about. So stay tuned in the month of May. We'll, we'll be bringing these mental models. We'll talk about what they are. We'll, we'll present new mental models to you. And uh, so you'll be able to kind of run decisions through these. And hopefully you take notes and hopefully you do some research on your own and you start memorizing what some of these mental models are. I will tell you just in the brief time that I've been teaching them and, and have been learning about them myself, I wish I would have had these years ago. I wish I'd had these mental models back when I was 17, 18, 19, in my 20s, in my 30s. Now, I don't know if I would have been smart enough to use them at the time, but uh, they're genius. They're absolutely genius. And again, I, I'm talking about this and I shouldn't be. I need to wait till May, but I just, I can't say enough about mental models. It's a way of seeing consequences of actions before you take the action. And most of us, if we're not careful, what we do is take the action. We suffer the consequences, whatever it may be, good or bad. And then we learn from that. Mental models help to uh, help us to make these decisions before we actually make the action. So let's look at what uh, George Soros says on this idea of thinking. Okay, I have a whole bunch of notes here in the uh, in the uh, in in the margins of this book, but I'll start with actually. Let's let's start here on page sixty-seven. What this book is is almost like an interview, and I think what this book is. Uh, it's made up of many of the interviews that George Soros has given, and they kind of edited them down, edited these these interviews down, and uh, brought them all into one situ, uh, one book, uh, one location. And so you kind of read through it. It looks like it's one long conversation, but I think it's many conversations. And so this 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 segment we're going to read here starts with the interviewer saying let's deal first with your general theory of reflex um re reflexivity okay so there's a general theory that george soros has about this idea of reflexivity so let's read about it and here's what he says here's what george soros says page page 67 essentially it has to do with the role of the thinking participant and the relationship between his thinking and the events, the events in which he participates. I believe that a thinking participant is in a very difficult position because he is trying to understand a situation in, in which he's one of the actors. Okay. So this is again when we're thinking about a situation, it's really hard for us to think that way, or it's it's really hard for us to think in a good way about the situation because we're in the situation. This is why I personally believe it's always good to have outside voices. It's always be, you know, it's always good to be getting feedback. It's good to have coaches who can see what we can't see because we are in the situation. Let's go back to George Soros. 
Traditionally, we think of understanding as essentially a uh, passive role and participating is an active role. In truth, the two roles interfere with each other, which makes it impossible for the participant to base any decisions on pure or perfect knowledge. That means when you're in a situation, you will never have perfect knowledge. You'll never have pure knowledge because you're in the situation. You have your emotions. You have your own experiences. You have your way of thinking. You have your your own education or lack of education, whatever it may be. You come to the table with you. And so whatever that situation is, you're never going to be able to look at it from a totally unbiased perspective because you have you in it. George Soros goes on to say, classical economic theory assumes that market participants act on the basis of perfect knowledge. That assumption is false. So he's talking about investing here. Okay, so it's important for us to understand that he's talking about this idea of investing, but it can also be related to leadership, management, all of this. That assumption is false. Okay. And, and the assumption is that participants act on the basis of perfect knowledge. You and I, when we're making decisions, we think we have perfect knowledge. We think we have all the knowledge that is out there, and it's not true. The participants' perceptions influence the market in which they participate, but the market action also influences the participants' perception. They cannot obtain perfect knowledge of the market because their thinking is always affecting the market and the market is always affecting their thinking. So this is talking about an investor who's inside of the markets. He's never going, he or she's never going to make the perfect decision because they don't have perfect knowledge because they are inside the markets. So the market is affecting their thinking. Their thinking is also affecting the market. This makes analysis of market behavior much harder than it would be if the assumption of perfect knowledge were valid. Economic theory needs to be fundamentally considered. There is an element of uncertainty in economic processes that has been largely left accounted for. None of the social sciences can be expected to yield firm results comparable to the natural sciences, and economics is no exception. We must take a radically different view of the role that thinking plays in shaping events. We are accustomed to think of events as a sequence of facts. One set of facts follows another in a never-ending chain. When a situation has thinking participants, the chain does not lead directly from fact to fact. It links a fact to the participants' thinking and then connects the participants' thinking to the next set of facts. Okay? And then the then the uh, then the interviewer goes on to lead uh, uh, goes on to ask this question. In trying to understand the thinking participants' role, what is it that we must understand? So George Soros says again, the first thing we must understand is that participants cannot confine their thinking to facts. They must take into account the thinking of all participants, including themselves. That means when you're making a decision, you can't just be thinking about what you're thinking about. A great leader looks at a situation and looks at the people around the table with them and says, what are all of you thinking about? And and then they take all of this thinking together before they make a decision. It's not just their own thoughts. It's not just it's not just their own thinking. And see, we have to understand this in in terms of when we're making decisions, whether we think so or not. Many of our decisions are based upon the thinking of other people, even if it's just subconsciously. It's important for us to know this. Again, this is this idea of rethinking, okay? Thinking about thinking. 
going back to what Charles Koch says, we have to run our thinking through mental models, right? We have to change the way we think. And, and, and really how we change the way we think is by taking different actions. And then coming back over and, and here, and he's talking about, we have to understand there are so many things that affect our thinking. And we have to know this. We have to understand this because our thinking affects our actions. It affects the choices that we make. So again, it says, they must take into account the thinking of all participants, including themselves. That introduces an element of uncertainty in the sense that the participant's thinking does not correspond to the facts. Often, and I'm saying this here, often facts and our thoughts are not the same. Yet it plays a role in shaping the facts. That's really important for us to understand here. Sometimes, many times, often, our thinking does not correspond to the facts, yet our thinking plays a role in shaping the facts, right? It's almost like that saying that history is always told by the victors. And there's so much we miss out on, on global world, community history, whatever it is, uh, because we hear it from one person's side. Instead of correspondence, there is almost always a, di- a discrepancy between the participants' perceptions and the actual state of affairs and a divergence between the participants' intentions and the actual outcome. This divergence is the key to understanding historical processes in general and the dynamics of financial markets in particular. In my opinion, and this is George Soros speaking here, in my opinion, misconceptions and mistakes play the same role in human affairs as mutation does in biology. That is my core idea. And this is George Soros speaking again. It has, of course, a great number of ramifications. It may not be important to others, but it is terribly, but it is terribly important to me. Everything else follows from it. And I've noticed that my view of the world is in many ways very different from the prevailing view. The prevailing wisdom is that financial markets are in equilibrium. Uh, There are divergencies, of course, because markets are not perfect, but they are in the nature of random walks and they tend to be corrected by other random events. This view is based on a false analogy with Newtonian physics. I take a radically different position in my view that divergences are inherent in our, perf- in our imperfect understanding. Financial markets are characterized by a discrepancy between the person's, the participant's perceptions and the actual state of affairs. At times it is negligible. At other times, the course of events cannot be understood without taking it into account. So again, uh, he- here's all that I'm trying to say here today. If I can bring this down, this is a leadership podcast. If I can bring this down uh, of what's important for you and what's important for me. Number one is this changing. We have to learn how to change the way we think, especially. And, and we're reading from two different billionaires here, one who is in investing, the other one who is in industry. Both of them understand that, that um, when you're investing, you have to understand uh, the changes that the world is making at all times. You got to understand this if you're going to invest well. The other understands when you're in the marketplace and you are a business leader, creative destruction is always happening, right? Or at least it should be happening. If not, there's going to be destruction to your business, to your product, to your service, whatever it is. Changes always happen. Because of this, we have to change the way we think. It is amazing to me in how uh, in, 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 in times that are constantly evolving, times that are constantly changing, so many people struggle to change the way they think. That blows my mind with organizations. And I've worked for uh, you know, bosses who uh, 
probably change their mind a little too often, but I've also worked for bosses who never changed their mind at all and never changed the way they think. One of the things I've loved about Charles Koch is that when you listen to interviews over the years, he will say, I don't even agree with myself from what I said two or three years ago, or five years ago, six, seven years ago, let alone 30 years ago. Why? Because the world is changing around me. And so my thought process has to change. This is so important for us to understand as leaders, as business people, as managers, we cannot get stuck into a certain way of thinking. We have to do this in our own personal lives as well. And sometimes that's really hard to do. We get stuck in a rut. Things become comfortable and we kind of like the way they are. But, but I would tell you the only thing, and the older I get, the more I see this. I remember hearing people say this when I was 18, 19 years old, and I just didn't get it. But the older I get, the more I realize the only thing constant in this world is change. That's the only thing that's constant. And so we have to be consistently thinking about how we're going to be changing the way we think as well. And some of that is, again, changing the way we think, number one, using mental models. Secondly, is simply this. We have to just understand uh, our thinking. We have to rethink our thinking. And it comes back to this idea that we have to understand that when we're in a situation, we can't really give a good decision on that situation because we are in the situation. Our thinking is impacting the situation, is affecting that situation that we're currently in. The situation's affecting our thinking. Our thinking is affecting the situation. So anytime we're in a situation, we have to understand this. Now, I'm saying all this so that you understand this, okay? You know, today, I think we're calling this rethinking thinking. You've got to understand this as a leader. Our emotions get in the way. That's why we need mental models, right? We have to change the way we think, right? And, and we do that using the mental models we're going to talk about in the month of May. But again, some of that thinking is just understanding that our thinking is pretty much going to be flawed 24-7 because we are in the situation that we're thinking about. And so there's going to be, how would I put this? Uh, there's going to be a biased aspect to what we bring to the table. And not to get too heavy with this because we need to wrap this up today, but this is kind of what we talked about back in 2020. And I know a lot of people are still having this conversation today. Um, unconscious bias. All of that, all that is about is just understanding how we think without thinking, right? That we come to the table with certain biases. We come to the table with certain thought processes. That person that maybe you can't stand on your team, the person you can't stand in your organization, that boss that you don't like. That probably has more to do, well, I'm telling you right now, it has more to do with you than it has to do with them. It has to do with your way of thinking. So the best thing you can do is step out of it. Again, use mental models. We'll talk about that next month. But just understanding that, hey, my thinking is flawed because I'm in the situation. That is an important thing for you to consider. That's an important thing for you to understand, for you to know. Okay? So two things here today. Three things, I guess I would say. Number one is this, if we're going to make changes in the organization, in this ever-changing world, we have to be changing how we think, okay? But it is important to understand that changing how we think is incredibly, incredibly hard. 
How do we make it easier? And easier may not be the you know best way to put that, but how do we make it a little bit more palatable is we use mental models. We'll talk about those next month. But it is also important to all of us to understand uh, how we think affects the situation we're in. The situation we're in is affecting how we're thinking. We just just knowing that is is so important. And I know that's not giving you necessary tip, but you just need to understand this. When you're thinking about a situation, already your your uh, your mind has been impacted by the situation and by your thinking because you're in the situation. So it is important that we always take a step back. We look at the situation from a broader perspective, and we make decisions uh, after we've moved away from it. That's kind of this idea of systems thinking. Okay, again, that that's a mental model, and what it helps us to do is pull up, take the thirty thousand foot view level to hopefully be able to see ourselves from outside of ourselves, to see other people outside of what we think about them, to see the organization, the team outside of what we think about them. All of this is so important as we think about our leadership minds. Change is inevitable, which means a change of thinking must also be inevitable as well. That's all I got for you today. Change the way you think, rethink the way you think. Okay. Use mental models. We'll talk about that. Okay. Understand when you're in the situation, you're in it. So your thinking is affecting it and it it's affecting you and you're affecting it. Okay. I, I understand all these things. Think deeper about your thinking. I'll see you in the next episode of JC Talks Leadership Podcast. Take care. Have a great week. I'll see you soon. 